A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to teaching kids and teens about money, practice makes perfect. That's where Greenlight comes in. With a debit card and money app of their own, Kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. Parents send instant money transfers, create custom chores, and automate allowance, while kids track their spending, set savings goals, and practice money skills they can use today and for life. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com podcast. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Welcome back to Upfront. I'm Chloe Morgan and today I'm joined by one of the biggest names in women's football. After more than three decades in English football, Marianne Spacey Cowell has seen it all. As a player, she was capped over 90 times for England and enjoyed a trophy-laden spell with Arsenal throughout the 90s. After managing Fulham ladies and working extensively in the England setup, including as assistant coach to Mark Sampson at the 2015 World Cup, Spacey left the FA in 2018 to join a new project, Southampton's reformed women's team. Starting all the way down in the fifth tier, she has helped build the club from the ground up. And now Southampton are looked at as an example of what can be achieved with a proper infrastructure. All that has paid off. Southampton are now in the hunt for WSL promotion from the championship this season. And they have the dream fixture in the FA Cup this Sunday where they will face Manchester United. I sat down with Marianne to talk about Southampton's journey, the state of recruitment in women's football and so much more. Welcome to Upfront, Marianne. Um, yeah, not too long ago, I was down uh, at the training ground, sort of, you know, sussing out what was going on down there, looking at all the facilities, speaking to a couple of players as well, and and yourself um, ahead of the uh, Conti Cup clash with Arsenal back in November. Um, Arsenal walked away just about with a 2-1 win, but only after the stoppage time winner. Um, we talked a little bit about the sort of the lead up to the game and how you're preparing for it, but you know, afterwards now, how much confidence do you and the players kind of take away from, you know, keeping a side like Arsenal, you know, right to the, the dying minutes of the game? Yeah, I think you have to take confidence from performances like that. You have to um, prepare in a way that it's a one-off cup game and 
um, not get too focused on the cup game because our focus is still very much away from that and in the league. So one thing we said about the Arsenal game was it's an opportunity to enjoy playing and showcasing ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think we did that really well in that game. So I think the prep and everything will be the same for for the game on Sunday. And that is, you know, we've got a great opportunity to try things out. We've got a great opportunity to, you know, compete and challenge ourselves against a, a top club in the WSL. But also, it's an opportunity to just enjoy the game, enjoy it because it's a different pressure to what you play week in, week out in the league. And what are sort of some of the key improvements I suppose you've seen in you know your side taking on some of these big WSL um, you know title contenders? What what's the things you've been most impressed with with the squad? Well, I think you know you look at if you go for the Arsenal game and you go the the act the fact that we competed, we scored a, a great goal, and you know we had the ball for probably longer periods than we thought and we used it well but we also defended really well and that's something that you need mm-hmm. you need to you know the best best case scenario is you keep a clean sheet through strong defensive actions and I think we did that we obviously didn't keep a clean sheet but we defended really well against Arsenal and then in the uh, the Spurs game we we kind of we had two 16 a 16 year old and a 17 year old come on into the, in the second half of that game to showcase what our pathway is about and what we want to you know we want to bring players through so again it's it's having then different games for different things that you want to use it for in that certainly in the Conti Cup and now the FA Cup is how we bring in you know some of those things together but also you know I keep reiterating and keep saying it's you have to. You have to use the game for our purposes as well as we want to win. Mm-hmm. We do, you know, obviously the girls want to win. They want to get into the next round of the FA Cup. But it's for, we're concentrating on the things that we want to get out of the game. And we're respectful of Man United because they are a top team. But really it's about what we can focus on for us to give us a real good, you know, maybe start a bit more momentum going into the next few league games. Southampton's pathway has been sort of fairly similar in a way to, to Man United's. I mean, both clubs scrapped their women's teams back in 2005 um, and then restarted them back in the 2018-19 season. Um, but Man United was sort of granted that licence to go straight into the championship and Southampton had to you know, start life in the, in the fifth tier and they appointed you not, not too long after. Um, when you look sort of back at that first season, what's the kind of standout memory that you can kind of share with us that illustrates just how far you've come as a club? I think the great thing that it gave us was the opportunity to play younger players. So the likes mm-hmm. of Lucia Kendall, Kayla Rendell, Ella Morris, um, you know, to name a few, Sophia Farrow. If we'd have got into the championship straight away, we they we, we wouldn't have been able to give them that senior football experience. So for me, that mm-hmm. first, you know, the development of the club from where we were to where we are is very is pivotal with the growth of young players getting playing opportunities and getting opportunities to play in women's football at a young age and how they've mm-hmm. developed. So, you know, I think that's been um, a key part of our success is being able to keep hold of our homegrown talent and play them. And now they're playing in the championship with match, real match experience, not just age group match experience. And um, are there any kind of personal anecdotes that you have about sort of where the club has 
come from to where you are. I mean, I know sort of my, you know, I was with Spurs for five or six years and, you know, there are games that I'm taking back to when, you know, we'd travel on a minibus with a couple of sandwiches and then we sort of, and then there was a moment that we stepped out into um, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium to play Arsenal for the first game in front of 38,000 fans. You think, how how did I get here? Um, do you ever sort of have those kind of moments where you look back and reflect on, you know, things that happened and, and where you are now? Yeah, I guess uh, I think, you know, it's been quite fast moving and you should always reflect. But I think, you know, the first game we played at St. Mary's in the FA Cup um, against Coventry as they were then. So, you know, they're moments that you just remember the excitement of the players playing at St. Mary's. And and now, Mm -hmm. kind of like three, four years later, we play our home games there. So that journey of of integration within the club and being, you know, so... um, integral to the growth of the club, not just the women's programme. I think there's, uh, you know, the, one the, the, the kind of when you look back at some of the pitches that you played on, but the, the camaraderie that that, you know, that that grew together for the, for the players, that's always something that's held us tight as a group is, you know, you go into pitches that were thick with muck because it was the only pitch that, this, that the opposition could actually get on that day. And you scrap a win. So all the lessons you learn from that is, you know, when you're dealing with, you know, adversity in football, it's the it's the character building adversity that you want the players to, you know, and coaches and us as coaches to reflect on and go, if we hadn't done that, we may not be where we are now. So, you know, I think little things like that, you know, big moments of playing your first game at the stadium when we would, had always dreamt that we would play at St Mary's in a big game, which it was. Playing there when we won the um, the Southern Premier League, and we played Portsmouth there and won that won at St Mary's in front of a fantastic crowd. So you just kind of put all those, what people might think is insignificant of, mm-hmm. you know, everybody driving to a game, now everybody's in, on the coach. That growth has been, you know, sharp and fast, but it's we've I think we've done it in a way that has allowed us to grow with the game and not just grow us outside of the game. What's been a um a personal highlight for you in those years? What 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 was the kind of moment that you thought, you know, I'm gonna have a, a nice glass of red when I sit down this evening. It's a it's a job well done for me today. There's probably been quite a few actually. I think but I think, you know, not just sort of um us, but moments where you're seeing our young players get international recognition and you think they mm. they work hard to do that and now they're getting international recognition. You know, we can sometimes put the pitch at front and centre, but there's lots of real nice moments that happen, like I said, with players and with staff and, you know, things that you achieve together that aren't necessarily just on the pitch. So when, you know, you go out and you have a day out where, the, the you know, you, you Playing, doing things like The Apprentice and everyone's just really engaged in it. And I think the most important thing for us is, like I said, is to reflect on what we've done and how much we've done as, mm-hmm. in the time that we have. But we're not satisfied and we want to keep pushing and we want to keep like aspiring to get to the highest levels that we can. I mean, I, I can't brush over this. Did you say that the Southampton squad had been on an, an apprentice day trip? Well, it was, to be fair, it was Loz and Laura, the two of the staff members, planned a day for the girls to just be um, like, I can't remember the actual details because I wasn't there. So it's it's just, 
they had different tasks that they had to achieve and get back to a certain spot, a certain place by a certain time, having achieved everything. So, you know, things okay. like that. And the other one we did was uh, like uh, like an activity, adventure activity, where they were jumping off of a of a of a small tower. And just seeing the girls really, like, some of them were terrified to do it, but they did it because there was support behind them and everybody was cheering and winning them on. And they're small little things, but, you know, it just shows the camaraderie that we got within the squad. And did you um, lead by example at all, by throwing yourself off of some of these heights or were you sort of watching, waving from the ground? I was the bad lady. (laughs) I looked after the bags and was the loudest cheerer. (laughs) um when you first started as the at the club um, you sort of described it as being a a blank piece of paper when you first you know walked through the doors um you know with a project like that you know having those ambitions to kind of get into uh the championship and you know further into the future to get into the wsl at some point i mean where do you start when i suppose you still have to look at things like the staff and the players you bring in the facilities the you know the infrastructure i mean it's such a sort of big job on your hands. I mean, what what were the sort of priorities for you when you when you first came in? I think the um, like I said, the staff was was really important. Already with Martina here, the general manager, she was pivotal in the in the in the building of the whole project as well. And then making sure that we had the right staff in place that then attracted players, that then attracted. Um, you know, uh, that then you were coachable, that we could get the results on the pitch, that then the results on the pitch meant that we were then attracting more um, sponsorship mm-hmm. and more kind of um, media coverage. And so it was just building those blocks. So year on year, having a having a real pillar of what we wanted to achieve. So our, our, our five-year strategy based on that year's strategy to get to where we are at the moment. So having those real pillars of what does it look like on the pitch, what does it look like from a uh, a sports science and medicine uh, perspective, what does it look like from um, like a commercial perspective, what does it look like mm-hmm. from player care and and welfare. So having those pillars and everyone being accountable for their that pillar, but join all working together to achieve the overall strategy. And people looking at Southampton will know it's a club that's got sort of huge emphasis on bringing through young players and, and local talent. It's something you've obviously um, spoken about a, a little bit um, with us today. Um, why was that so important from uh, for you from the start? What What is it about sort of that being one of the sort of biggest focuses for you? I think Hampshire has always been a real hotbed of women's football talent. You look at the days gone by mm. and Southampton when, you know, had a, a, a successful team. So we wanted to ensure that the football talent that is in Hampshire stays in Hampshire and they had somebody somewhere they could play. So we had a very successful centre of excellence, became a regional talent centre, which is where a lot of our players came through. And now we've moved into having a professional game academy and the first team. So the pathway's in place. And we still sort of um we're still working on ensuring it's the, the best it that it can be. But knowing that the players in Hampshire have got somewhere, you know, there's lots of opportunities for them to play in different in different capacities. So we wanted to make sure that if there was a talented player and they wanted to be in this in our pathway, the pathway was right, the facilities were right, the coaching was right. So, you know, it's a hotbed of talent in Hampshire, and there's some good clubs around here, and we're we're really proud to be part of that 
um, I suppose that community, but we want to we want to have the talent with us to push us forward as well. Former Hibs manager Dean Gibson joined your ranks in January as Southampton's new head of recruitment for the first team and the under-21s. Um, I mean, it's a pretty big move, uh, unprecedented in the championship to have a dedicated head of recruitment. Um, you know, it's something that the WSL squads are sort of still playing catch-up with. Um, what was the thinking about sort of getting Dean on, on board? Well, we just, it's such a big part of the game now, isn't it? Recruitment and, you know, you can, it's its a job, it's a job in itself. So we went to make sure that we had the, the best person we could find to, to come in and do that role because you're not just looking at players, you're looking at personality, you're looking at character, you're looking mm-hmm. at, you know, um, uh, dealing with the, with the agents, dealing with the clubs and, it's a lot in terms of you know a lot of a lot of clubs the the coaches doing all that as well. So if you've if you again if you've got your pillars of what you want to hang your hat on, and one of them is recruitment and get good people in to help you with that, and then it becomes a more um, it becomes more focused for one person rather than part mm-hmm. of a focus for the head coach. I mean, how do you strike the balance, I suppose, between, like you said, sort of having that priority and, you know, getting homegrown talent in to make sure that, you know, local girls have access to, you know, playing at elite levels, but also, I suppose, where the game is going. Um, you know, a lot of the big clubs are now looking at, you know, international and foreign markets. I mean, how do you balance both of those? Are you sort of looking at sort of more international players now, now that you have a dedicated person to to sort of look further afield? Yeah, obviously that's part of recruitment and, and that's part of the game as it is today is more and more international players are coming into um mm-hmm. coming into the, the leagues in England. So um but we've also we're not just looking internationally, we're still looking at talented players that might have been here before and gone elsewhere because we didn't have the, the team in the in the, mm-hmm. the championship or the league be the WSL before. So having that um the balance will be key moving forward because as you get higher up, then the chances of uh, for younger players, for some it might it might not happen, but for others again, if you know age isn't a barrier. If they're good enough, they train with you, and if they train well, and then they're in the squad, and then they could make their debuts mm-hmm. at young ages. I, I'd never say they would never be able to do that here because you're probably shutting down a lot of talent that you would, would then go elsewhere. Hey, parents, Greenlight is here to take one big thing off your to-do list, teaching your kids about money. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. Set up chores and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. Then learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com podcast. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. 
in terms of sort of, you know, being able to access different types of talent, talent from different backgrounds, you know, making the talent pathways, I suppose, more diverse and inclusive and accessible to, to girls from, you know, um, across the spectrum. Um, you know, is that something that's also a, a focus, I suppose, at, at Southampton? Because, you know, when you look in the WSL and Championship, there is still sort of, it, it does lack that diversity, I suppose, still. Yeah, and I think that's why this um, partnership with Starling is going to be so important for us because we're now, you know, Starling are now... Um, investing in scouts for the future and those scouts are uh, the demographics that you've just expo- you've just um spoken about so they'll be looking for talent in areas that may not have gone may not have been looked at before or haven't had the access to get into because you know sometimes it's an access thing as well isn't it so having this um new initiative with starling it just it's it's developing scouts to be in the demo- in the areas that they they live in or they work in to be able to see the talent and then know what to do and where to where to show or where to um, point the talent into hopefully in our direction. As we're talking about sort of scouting and recruitment, they're such massive parts of the women's game, and I think sometimes those jobs have kind of fallen to managers and coaches in the past. The kind of you know not only in charge of the sort of performance of the girls, the you know the day in day out, the, the structure, the the programs, but also yeah having to look at you know talent and that I think I suppose that part of the job takes up so much time. Is it? Um, do you think there's sort of a, uh, or there has been a problem really with the women's game in terms of the responsibilities that head coaches have had to take on sort of you know not only being responsible for the team but all the other sort of different different facets yeah i think if you look at the wingspan of an eagle you're kind of looking at the road the scope of what a head coach's uh, job role can be <laughs> isn't it so um but i think what we're, again it's it's as the game's grown and resources grown it's how you use that resource to the best of your mm-hmm. the resource that you've got in the clubs that you've got so scouting and recruitment is has always been something pretty much that the head coach has done. Now there's more like there's a few more coming through and the, the game growing the way it is and the resource coming in, there's more opportunity for those roles to become available. So again, you go back to the Starling Bank mm-hmm. initiative, but we now creating the scouts for the future for when the roles become more um accessible and more ready readily available there's people ready to step into them. And we had uh, Crystal Palace's Annabelle Johnson uh, in the student yes, the studio yesterday. Um, and she was sort of speaking about um, Emma Hayes's comments and sort of there was a lack of uh, female coaches in the game, but that was becoming quite a big issue. Um, and she was saying herself how hard she's found it to kind of get her own coaching badges, despite obviously playing at you know a very, very high level. Um, do you think there's more that needs to be done to kind of help new coaches get into the pathway and to access opportunities to get, you know, CEB and, and pro licenses? Yeah, I think we were, um, it's upsetting and it's frustrating that in 2024, we're still talking about barriers for women to get into coaching, even in women's football, you know, and I think it's something that has to be addressed. It has to be looked at, um, you know, it's it, coaches are finding it hard to get onto those courses. The question is why, why are they? they and there's a finance, you know, they cost a lot of money. Um, there's some small, there's some initiatives that help support, and there's a, you know, there's a um, a cohort of coach developers working through the FA, and I think they're starting to hopefully now starting to target more opportunities and more resources to be able to uh, support and not just financially but also support 
emotionally and um, technically and tactically in their own workplace. And I think that's happening more mm-hmm. and more. I think it's just, you know, the the qualifications are what the, the coaches want because everything's got a criteria to say you must have this or you must have that. So, like I said, I think it's still frustrating that in 2024, female coaches are signed having these barriers. Um, so there's there's work happening, but we need more to happen to give them the opportunity. And then they were having this conversation earlier today as well about you know, we put the players front and centre of everything that you do as a as a coach and, you know, their welfare, but the coaches that are trying to get into the game, the coaches that are in the game, the coaches that might lose their jobs in the game, which, you know, we've seen recently happen. What's the support for them? Because they still have an emotional, you know, they still need emotional support and their welfare is really important as well. So it's gaining your badges and gaining the qualifications, but alongside that, investing in the support network that that helps them once they're in the role and once they might lose the job because that's that could become more apparent as the game grows as well. Do you think um, the role of manager and coach at sort of WSL and championship level has become more pressurised because of that kind of expectation to to get results, to, you know, progress the team, to get higher at the table, to get promotion? And, you know, you sort of touched on a little bit there about Mel Phillips and, and her experiences. And, you know, it was sort of quite a shock, I think, to, to a lot of us that that, that had happened. Um and I suppose in any other any other sort of sphere or employment sphere, you'd be thinking, okay, well, if someone's sort of not, you know, where you expected them to be, you kind of support them, you develop them, you ask them if they're okay, if there are other things going on, or, you know, how can we better, you know, let you be in a position to do better with your job. But is that the sort of pressure that I suppose managers now feel that, you know, if you don't reach a certain level or if you're not hitting a, a certain target that at any moment, I suppose you could, you could go. Yeah. I think it would certainly be in the backs of the minds of coaches now and head coaches in in the in the in the top leagues, um, purely because the expectation and the resource and the and the support and the investment that's going in, it's we're now looking more for results. So it's something that hasn't you know hasn't been apparent before, but now that the game's growing and everything's you know everything about you know on the pitch off the pitch. Is becoming more in the kind of in the public eye and in the eyes of the owners and the eyes of the investors that you know they will ask questions. So coaches must be mm-hmm. coaches will be aware of that whether they're outwardly pressured by it or inward, inwardly pressured by it. I think it's important that there's there's a support in place for if and when that happens. And in terms of sort of your experience as a player, I mean, how do you kind of use that in terms of um, you know, how does that translate, I suppose, into the work that you do with the, the girls now? I mean, is there ever a point that you sort of, you know, tell them anecdotes of, you know, how things used to be and how lucky they've got it now with all these, you know, the lovely facilities and the, you know, the kit, the kit person. I mean, I would have absolutely loved a kit person at Spurs. Um, yeah, I mean, do you sort of tell them about, you know, the history of the game so that they can kind of, you know, maintain, I suppose, the the humbleness that they are still um, you know, the, the work they're doing now, I suppose, is off the back of, you know, the likes of yourself having grown the game, created that exposure uh, and got it to where it is now. Yeah, it's not something I use a lot, but occasionally you bring it in to, to hopefully have an impact. And like you said, it's about it's about respecting where the game was, enjoying where it is, but being passionate about where it can go to. And I think that's the, that's mm-hmm. the key for me is not just settling on where we are because we've got here from this point 
and there's still this point that we want to get to. And on the subject of sort of the the younger players now coming through um, the ranks, I mean, Mary Earps was someone you worked very closely with from the start um, in the England setup, and you sort of named her as your next generation squad back in 2006. What a catch that was! <laughs> I mean, <laughs> are you surprised at all by what she's gone on to achieve? Or you know, like you said, did you peg her to sort of great to do great things? You know, from very early on. Yeah, she was. You know, she was a, a good keeper back in the day. Obviously, we picked her for the next gen squad. Um, she's always had that potential to go out and do what she's achieved. And I think, you know, she's well documented. There's times where she's felt quite down about football and, and had support around her. And I think, again, we'll go back to that support. With that support, she's now flourished again. Um, so I'm really proud of what she's achieved and, you know, where where she is at the moment. And I look forward to seeing her on, on Sunday and, and saying hello to her. Likewise, when we played Arsenal and caught up with a few of the old Arsenal girls as well. So... You know, and that's the thing that's important is that, you know, it's the the pride that you've got to have worked with those players to see where they are now is really important. But it's also the pride of of working with the group of players that I've got now and I'm I'm really excited mm-hmm. to see where they can go. Southampton's journey, I mean, it's been incredible sort of watching the rise of the club from, from where it's been and, you know, only a very short space of time to, you know, where it is now, you know, pushing to, you know, have those ambitions to, to be in the WSL at some point, you know, very close in the future. Um, you know, what are your big ambitions and, and what's next for, for Southampton? What should we be looking out for in the next year or so? I think just the continual growth of what we're doing, the continued, um, you know, like I said, we, we're aspiring to be in the highest league we can be in. Um, we're aspiring to be part of the change in the game and wanting to be um, front and centre of you know this this new co and being around it and understanding what the what the direction is that we going that the game's going in. So I think for me it's just um, staying really true to what we want to do and that is being in the top league, doing it in the way that we want to do it, bringing through some homegrown talent, but aware that you need other talent as well to come in. And just making our club and our community proud because, you know, football clubs are a hub of the community. We've got a fantastic support network, like support base, supporter base here. You know, the clubs, you know, the men's team were in a fantastic run at the moment. And, you know, that's that just brings everybody up around you in, the, in and around the community. So we still want to have that aspiration of being a humble club, especially, you know, the women's, the women's team as well that is, is driving a community to be proud of what we're achieving. Um, and absolutely last question. I appreciate you've got a lot on your hands with the game this weekend. Um, what can people listening expect from Southampton this weekend? What What's the kind of um, the key things to watch? Uh, players playing with a smile on their face and enjoying their football with an opportunity to compete against the, the top club in the WSL love that um thank you so much for your time i really really appreciate it despite man united kind of being my team i absolutely wish you the best and yeah go go and smash it thank you very much chloe (laughs) 
Thank you so much for listening. Rachel and I are back on Tuesday to react to the FA Cup, including Man United's trip to Southampton, as well as the latest Lionesses squad, which we're expecting to drop any minute now. In the meantime, you can find us on Instagram and X. I am at Morgie underscore 89. Rachel is at Girls on the Ball and we are at Upfront underscore pod. You can also find us on YouTube at Upfront pod. See you next week. Upfront is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Vacations are always good. Sometimes they're even great. And Celebrity Cruises is about to ruin all of that. Because once you explore with us, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And with new Quick Caribbean Escapes, you'll never want a weekend any other way either. Celebrity Cruises. Nothing comes close. Visit celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Ships Registry, Malta and Ecuador. Hey parents, Greenlight is here to take one big thing off your to-do list, teaching your kids about money. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. Set up chores and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. Then learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.